Welcome to the Elevate Your Life podcast with Evelyn Kelly. I'm your host, Evie, life and confidence coach, and I'm here to support you to create unstoppable self-belief and confidence, own your self-worth, and to elevate all areas of your life. Join me for soulful yet straight-talking chats with epic humans, juicy DNMs with me, and loads of inspiration so that you can be the best version of yourself and live a life you truly love and deserve. Are you with me? Here we go. Hello beautiful human, welcome back to the Elevate Your Life podcast. I'm your host Evie and today I am joined by a beautiful human, Sally Ann Hartnell from Reflect Coaching. Sally Ann is a relationship transition and divorce coach for women at a crossroad in their relationship. She supports women to reclaim their identity, reconnect to themselves and redefine their future. Whether you're in a relationship wanting a deeper connection, Asking, is this it? Wondering whether to stay or go, navigating the messy middle of divorce or newly solo, Sally Ann will support you to come back to yourself first, help you identify what you most need and create a plan forward. Sal and I are talking all about relationships, you guessed it, how to create rich and fulfilling relationships in our lives. Sally Ann talks a bit about why relationships are so important to us as humans and why so often they can be really challenging, how to foster the most important relationship that we have and that's the one that we have with ourselves and then how to create really rich and fulfilling relationships with others too. There's so much wisdom that's intertwined throughout this conversation and I'm sure you're going to take so much from this conversation and as always Sal and I would love to hear what your key takeaways are, what really landed, what hit home for you and what you're going to take away with you. So let us know if you're listening to this episode, please screenshot it, share it on your Instagram stories and tag both of us and we would love to follow on that conversation. As always, I think so much of the juiciness of these these podcast episodes happens outside of the episode, you know, in the thoughts, the conversations that you have afterwards and how you implement them into your lives. And so let us know what those are. I would, would really, really love that. And I know Sal would too. So without further ado, here is the one and only Sally Ann Hartnell. Hello, Sally Ann. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Evie. It's so exciting to be here. I'm really, really excited. Yay. It's been a long time coming. I feel like we've been talking about this podcast for a little while. And um, yeah, just really honored to have you on the show. I know you are such a guru in this area of relationships, and it's just such a, a massive topic. And, and I'm excited to see how it all unfolds today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been a long time coming and um, I'm sure that it will unfold in the most amazing way for for the listeners. Yeah, amazing. Alrighty, let's dive in. Eh? I always like to ask my guests what their favourite quote is and why, just to start us off with some inspiration. So tell us your favourite quote. I could have chosen quite a few when you first asked me this question, um, but I've picked one from Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, which has 
has come up as something really potent and powerful for me personally, but also in my work. So Mm. I'm going to read it because it's very long and I can't remember it word for word. So it goes like this. You are here to decide if your life, relationships and world are true and beautiful enough for you. And if they are not, and you dare to admit they are not, you must decide if you have the guts, the right, perhaps even the duty to burn to the ground that which is not true and beautiful enough and get started building what is. Oh, I've got I've got goosebumps. Oh my goodness, yes. I love that. What a fitting quote for today's conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought so. I thought it would fit this conversation, but it also fits quite a lot of relationship stuff and just life in general Mm. you you are here to decide if your life relationships and world are true and beautiful enough yeah how empowering is that that's Mm. really cool and also what I heard you say in that was the I can't remember her exact words but the burning of the relationships or whatever that's not I'm going to say good enough or what you're really wanting because I often talk about personal development work where there's this glass bottle analogy. I think I've shared this on a podcast before, but a glass bottle. So we're all this with this glass bottle, a physical form, like a fixed, a fixed form. And uh, we're looking out into the ocean and wanting to hold more water or wanting to have more in our lives, whatever that might be. And we have to run into the fire to melt down ourselves, I guess, and then to to create more to be able to hold more to expand and grow ourselves but it's bloody scary running back into the fire (laughs) absolutely having to do the work to change and grow and call in more yeah 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 100 percent agree it is really really scary um but I love that quote because it's and I love the glass bottle analogy too because it's a reminder that there is more, there is more possible Mm. and, and there is an element of choice so it's about embracing that fear knowing that there is more and better and more beauty and more truth on the on the other side of the burning or the melting of the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Love that so much. So today we want to talk about relationships. How do we create really rich, fulfilling relationships that we love, that serve us? And yeah, that that yeah, that we love, that we want. <laughs> so before we dive into that, shall we just talk a little bit more about Understanding why relationships are so important to us humans, uh, you know, and and why so often they can be really challenging mm. at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, such a great question. And another, another, I guess, guru, um, as well as Glennon Doyle, that I often refer back to is Brene Brown, and she talks about us as humans being hardwired to connect with others. That that relationship and being in connection with other people is is what gives our lives purpose and meaning. And I think that that is really important to remember because as humans we are hardwired to be in relationship with others. So we seek it and we crave it. Um, and I think in terms of why it's, why it's challenging um, to be in relationship with another human, um, there are a few things. Um, and I think for us as women we are taught from a really young age, either in our family of origin or just our society in general, we're taught and we're shown that we should look after others first and put our own needs at at the bottom of the list to be the good girls and the good friend and that, you know, you you talk about that sort of stuff in, in your own coaching work. So I think when we're 
taught to do that, it, it means that we put our own needs at the bottom of the list. We don't prioritise ourselves. So when we bring that into a relationship with another, then we're not actually showing up fully or authentically as as ourselves. And still in 2021, as women, we're often expected to be and do all the things, you know, to be a good wife, to be a good mother, to be a good employee or to be a good business owner, you know, to to and to hold all of that. And I think that is really challenging for, for women in heteronormative relationships. Um, that is one of the big challenges that I see, that we tend to get lost in our relationship by putting everybody else's needs first. Um, so that's one, one big challenge. Um, and I think secondly... The other big challenge about being in relationship with another human is that our relationship is a, and I'm speaking here particularly about our romantic or our intimate partner relationship, it's our biggest mirror. And, and being in relationship with another human actually triggers us. So it triggers us to bring things to the surface that perhaps we don't really want to bring to the surface or it triggers um I use the word wounds in in my work. So it triggers wounds that we've that have been created often when we're very small children. Um, and they are the lessons that we're taught in our family of origin about what it means to be in a relationship with another person. You know, we might be taught that we don't have a voice or that our needs aren't important. And that that's not a direct teaching that's something that we just pick up as a small child along the way so being in a relationship with another person tends to trigger those those wounds um and that is why that is why relationships feel particularly challenging um and i think the third component look i could go on and on and on as why why relationships feel challenging but i think the third really important one that comes up again and again and again um is fear and authenticity and they are interwoven. So we're afraid to bring our authentic self. So we're afraid to bring those shadows or those wounds to the surface. Um, And so we don't show up fully as our authentic self in a relationship. And that in itself becomes a challenge because we're not actually then in a relationship that is true. And that goes back to the Glennon Doyle quote, you know, what are you going to burn to the ground? To bring your to bring your truth, so I think those they're three really key reasons why relationships often feel challenging, um, but we are hardwired as humans to seek connection and relationship, and when we do, we are offered an opportunity to heal some of those those shadows or those wounds. So the challenge is to to allow all of that stuff to come up so you can burn the things that don't serve you or the relationship to the ground to then step into what you know to step through the fire as you said and and co-create a, a more authentic and beautiful relationship yeah love it so much yes 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 I just wrote down um when you were talking about romantic relationships being being our mirrors and I think I I just wrote down they're often our biggest spiritual assignment like they're the they're the things that are going to enable us to grow and evolve and heal those wounds that we need to and vice versa for the other person if we choose 
to lean into them and to look at them and face them and yeah and do the work um, yeah absolutely and that's the challenge you know facing yes. facing your fear of not wanting to bring those things to the surface yes but again if you accept the challenge burn it down do the healing do the work as you said our greatest what was it our greatest spiritual uh, assignment. assignment assignment Spiritual yes assignment. I love that yes. I love that <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I agree our relationships really offer us an, the um the opportunity to look at what we most need to heal in ourselves yes and and to grow and then become almost become entwined with another in their in their healing too so you're co-creating something that's just bigger and more beautiful than the two of you as individuals yes I'm with you. Love it. Mm. And also maybe just touching on um, what was coming to me as you were sharing that there was like the relationships that we don't choose as such, or maybe the ones that we are still involved in and and choose them to an element, I guess. Um, But maybe they're not a close friend or a romantic relationship. So I'm thinking like work colleagues, acquaintances, family members, those sorts of things. And sometimes I don't know if, if you find this, Sal, but sometimes they're really challenging as well because we don't always choose them <laughs> or we choose them to a lesser degree. <laughs> well, we don't choose our family. We don't necessarily choose our family. And I think family of origin relationships can be really, really challenging. Um, and I think some of those those reasons why, those reasons that we find um, our romantic relationships challenging, they definitely apply in all other relationships. Mm. In family of origin, we're also cast in a role. Um, yeah. I'm one of four four children, grew up in a really loud, opinionated family, and we each have a role that we play in that family. And even, you know, I'm 50, 51 in fact, and I'm the youngest, and we still tend to put on those roles when we step into, into that space. So I think that's another element of, being challenged in family of origin relationships when you don't, when you no longer identify with that role. Yeah. I'll use mine as an example. I was, I was, as I said, I'm the youngest of four, very loud, very opinionated family and was never really taken seriously. My voice Mm. was never taken seriously. So we carry those, well, that's one of my wounds. Okay. Carry it forward and need to do the healing and the work um but even still when I step back into that family of origin those relationships oftentimes I find myself putting that it's almost like I put a jacket back on I'm like okay when I step yes. into this relationship I, <laughs> nobody, nobody listens to me nobody takes me seriously so I have to be really loud and make lots of noise whether that's actually verbal noise or sort of metaphorical kind of jump up and you know um yeah I have to make myself I have to really work hard to make myself heard Mm. but that's not really who I am anymore so it's that I think there's an interesting challenge when we talk about family of origin in terms of who we are now as opposed to who we were then because if you've done your work and you've done you've accepted your spiritual assignment and you offer you know you're working through your healing then you're going to grow and change and you no longer fit that role in terms of friends and colleagues, I really think bringing your authentic self to relationship with another is really, really key. So that 
that moves us into really, I guess, knowing who we are. So really understanding ourselves, really getting to know who we are underneath all the layers. So again, accepting that spiritual assignment, that learning, getting to know what your values are, getting to know, um, you know, your emotion, understanding your emotions and your wants and your needs and your desires and how all that fits together for you so that you bring that authentic self into a relationship. Now, that's not to say you're going to show every everything to everybody because we all have a public and a, and a private persona or we have parts of ourselves that we'll share publicly and other parts that are reserved either just for us or just for our intimate partner or just for our closest friends, absolutely. But you can still step in to a work relationship with a colleague or uh, you know, like a fringe friendship, somebody that you know, but not intimately, you can still step into those relationships as your authentic self. But again, got to do the work first to know who you are so that you show up authentically. In my work, I talk about us defining the container of our relationship. And I talk about that container, regardless of who we're in relationship with. So if it is our intimate partner or our mother-in-law or our ex-partner, because as you know, I work with Um, clients who are transitioning out of relationships as well as those who are in relationship so regardless of who you're in a relationship with you get to define the container that you want that relationship to be held in I guess and to do that you need to know who you are first because the container then invites someone in who reflects who you are Mm. and the relationship that you want to create Love that. Yes, yes, yes. Amazing. That that probably brings us on really nicely to what I believe the, the most important relationship in our lives are, is the one that we have with ourselves. And you know what, why do we think, I mean, you and I talk about this lots and obviously this is our work and what we've, you know, we've journeyed through this stuff as well ourselves personally. But why do you think this relationship with ourselves is so often sort of overlooked or not really considered? You know, we often think when we talk about relationships that they're with other people and and of course they are, but they're also with mm-hmm. ourselves. So why do you think it's often overlooked and why do you think we're often not encouraged to foster that relationship with ourselves? It's a really interesting question and I don't, to be really honest, I haven't really considered it in that way why not why Mm. why are we not um so I believe that there are a few reasons and I touched on one earlier in that it was society's conditioning particularly for women you know we are still in 2021 conditioned to look after everybody else and make sure everybody else is okay first and it's like the good old oxygen mask analogy on the airplane you can't and I've I I know you've heard you've spoken to this before in another podcast episode you can't look after anybody else until you've looked after yourself and it's similar you can't really be in an authentic relationship unless with another unless you already have that with yourself Mm. um yeah so if you don't know yourself clearly and well enough you can't bring that to another so why why is that not fostered I think society you know as women we're taught not to do that it's probably viewed as a bit self-indulgent and a bit selfish yeah 
um, but the way I'm going off on a tangent here, it's not answering your why question, but the way we treat ourselves and the way we are in relationship with ourselves is reflected in the way others will treat us. I go back to that definition of a container. You know, if, if you're setting the parameters of this is how I treat myself and this is how basically you're setting your own boundaries for another to step in. So if you treat yourself with a high degree of respect and care and love, then you invite someone else in who does that. You won't accept someone who does not. So, well, I haven't really answered your why question in depth. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's really, really important. Um, And I think as, as carers of children, parents, mothers, fathers, you know, we need to be fostering that stuff in our kids from a really young age so that it just becomes innate. Yeah. That they do check in, you know. And and I think getting underneath emotions, you know, anger, what's underneath your anger and yeah. going deeper in terms of really knowing yourself from a really young age will will shift and change this for ne- for future generations. Yeah, totally. What a beautiful gift to give you, give to your kids, hey, or and, and mm. others just by you doing it, right? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to add my little two cents <laughs> just to the conversation earlier, just around like the why we don't often do it. I think I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, societal kind of conditioning, and it's yeah passed down. It's 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 probably quite historical, I'd say. And then I I was thinking also just to extend on that is. We're so often to look outside of ourselves and we're taught not to trust ourselves, not to trust our intuition, find the answers, ask other people, you know, look to authority figures, whatever it might be. Uh, And I think that all of that kind of conditioning is like, well, no, don't give time to you and don't ask yourself what you need and don't spend time, time with yourself and don't foster that inner connection or listening to your intuition is what I often talk about. It's always quite external. And so then why would we ever foster that relationship with ourselves? Mm. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with what you, what you shared as well. It, um, absolutely. Mm. Again, I love what you're, what you're saying there is that how we treat ourselves, how we view ourselves, our relationship with ourselves then dictates the relationships that we call in with others. Mm. They're, yeah, those, the container, the boundaries. I really like that. Absolutely. Um, cool. So how do we foster and nurture the relationship with ourselves if they then go on and dictate our other relationships? Do you have any suggestions there, Sal? Yeah, there's a few things that, um, there's a few steps that I tend to to guide my clients through and um, remind myself to use as well. Um, And I think like like anything, it starts with making a commitment. It starts with a decision. And it starts with a decision to do it and then a commitment to follow through. So anything that's anything that's a journey or a process or a pathway takes a, a commitment from to get from here to there. So firstly, really commit to yourself and and then just choose you. When faced with a choice, mm. choose you. Yeah. Um Oxygen mask analogy again. Okay, I need that first. 
I will take that first, then I can then I can do the next thing. Um, I really think, put most simply, just spending some time in quiet, alone each day, whether it's in the shower, whether it's in nature, meditating, journaling, whatever it is, checking with yourself on a regular basis. But being, you know, spending some time in, in silence, I say silence, some for others it's music, you know, but in in a peaceful space, just really focusing on you, on your body, on your feel, on your feelings, on your emotions, what's coming up for me. And make, as I said, make a commitment to doing that each day. Check, yeah, checking in regularly with yourself as you would someone else. Asking questions like, what do I need today? What do I need in this moment? What is missing? What am I feeling? Even just and a gentle exploration, it doesn't need to be big, but it needs to be regular. So then yeah. it builds it builds on itself, it becomes a habit. And before you know it, you're like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm feeling X. Oh, that means I need Y. You know, yes. it becomes automatic. But if you make the commitment and just start the process. Yeah, I love that. And, and committing to it daily, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. What are your favourites? Oh, what do you do personally do? <laughs> I I meditate and I try yep. and meditate twice a day. Amazing. Mm. Um, I'm really good at my morning meditation, which sometimes becomes a snoozitate instead of a meditate because I <laughs> tend to um, I'm not so good at my afternoon meditation because I'm really busy. Like I like to be busy and there's yeah. lots of things going, going, going. So I, I've made a, a strong commitment in the last couple of months to get back into my afternoon meditation I also um I also do a lot of good thinking in the shower Mm. Um, I like water I'm a real water babe um and currently we're in lockdown in Melbourne so I can't get in or near the water except for a shower but you know I I kind of I try to have a mindful shower each day and then and then and again, I'm not great at this, but this is this is my commitment to myself. Just checking in with my body, with my feelings, with my emotions, um, regularly throughout the day. And again, I'm I'm not great at it, but I'm a work in progress. I'm a I'm a perfect imperfection. Oh, as we all are. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think my personal favorite is meditation as well. Um, yeah. yeah, at least once a day. Um and I think my my little tip around this is, and what really just stuck with me when I was yeah, trying to get on the bandwagon some years ago, because I've meditated on and off for years, but mm. then it was like, no, no, this is what I need to do daily. And it was just to take out the element of choice. And I guess that's what you were saying when you like, you commit to it, you decide that this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be fostering this relationship with myself, checking in, spending some time alone, whatever that looks like. So for me, it was right. I'm deciding to meditate. It doesn't matter when I do it or for how long I do it for or where I do it. It's just that I do it and it just becomes a part of me and a part of my life. Um, So I think that's just a little tidbit of what really supported me when I was trying to create those practices and just the habit of doing it Mm. and it's so transformative when you do hey it doesn't really matter what it is but that that you do it daily yeah and with my meditation practice I just do it immediately on waking wake up meditate 
That's it. So it, it actually, for me, takes out the element of choice. There is no choice. Yes. Wake up, meditate. And if I need to get up early to record a podcast or whatever it is, I just set my alarm 20 minutes earlier because I know I've got to fit that in first and it's done. Love that. Amazing, amazing. Mm. Cool. So now if we move on to the relationships with others, friendships, family, romantic relationships, what are some of those key challenges? I mean, we already sort of talked a little bit about this at the start, mm. but yeah, what are the what are the key challenges in those relationships, do you think, Sal? What do you see a lot? Well, primarily it is that thing that we keep coming back to, self-knowledge, self-awareness, really getting to know yourself and having a good, strong relationship with yourself. I think moving on from that, it's about communication. Um, so knowing who we are, being able to then communicate with others. So communicating if a boundary has been crossed, communicating if our feelings have been hurt and communicating in a really calm way that doesn't trigger either you or the person, the other person in the relationship. So being able to communicate gently, calmly, effectively to move the relationship forward rather than get tipped into uh, conflict. Yeah, Mm. yeah. It's also, when it comes to communication, it's also really important to be able to clearly articulate our wants and our needs and our desires, our expectations, because if we can't do that, we tend to get tipped into resentment or frustration. If your needs and your wants are not being fulfilled in a relationship, be that with your work colleague who is not pulling their weight in a group project or your teenage son who is not bringing the dishes down from upstairs. Yes, I'm speaking from experience. Um, If you're not clearly able to express your wants, your needs, your desires, your expectations, you tend to get tipped into frustration or resentment or anger and it builds up and it creates a rift in a relationship. So I'll use Elliot as an example. My son, if you're not bringing your dishes down and I'm getting annoyed and I'm getting frustrated, all I need to do is actually communicate clearly the expectation is this and the consequence is that. Now that's easy to do with a child or a young adult. It's more tricky to do with a work colleague, but you can still do it. And it's, you know, hey, we've got this project happening. Your part is X, Y, Z. When can I expect you to do that? Because I need you to do that before I can do one, two, three over here. So it's clearly, it's a clear communication, but to do that, as you know, keep going back to it. You need to know what your expectations already are. You need to know what your wants, your needs, your desires are. Yeah, totally. And that was probably my experience before I did a lot of my own healing and journey and inner work was, yeah, because I was a total people pleaser as um, so many of my community will know, because that's what I love teaching people about now, because it was, it was huge because I would put everyone else before me and then I wouldn't even I didn't even really know what I wanted and what I needed. I think I did deep down, but it was just so hard to to access that and articulate that. And it was just like, a, I just couldn't even do it. So, so I think my relationships have improved tenfold because I did that inner work first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so how do we... How do we do that? So do the inner work on ourselves first 
understand who we are, our true self, our authentic self, and then lovingly mm. communicate that, set yep. the expectation, the boundary, whatever it might be. Yeah, lovingly communicate it love with love and compassion for yourself first because if you don't offer yourself, afford yourself that love and compassion, then you're not going to have a clear voice. Mm. So love and compassion for yourself, this is actually what I need. And then love and compassion for the other person. Yeah. And also I also teach about speaking to the relationship as opposed to speaking to the other. And by that I mean choose a way to communicate what the relationship needs. So whether it be the relationship between me and my son or whether it be the relationship between me and a work colleague or whether it be my relationship between me and my ex-husband, what does the relationship need? How can I communicate in a way that supports and nurtures that relationship? Mm, so it just really takes like a little, yeah, it just takes a little bit of I'm, I was going to say it takes a little bit of the sting out. So if, yes. if it's a challenging conversation, Oh, I don't have to have that challenging conversation with Evie. I'm actually having that challenging conversation with my relationship with Evie and my relationship. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I don't know for for me the whole energy changes around that, right? And like when you're saying come with love and compassion for yourself and the other, that changes the energy as well because people people sense that and that's dictates I think how how the conversation will probably go right Um, 100% the way you start a conversation absolutely dictates absolutely dictates the way it will end so if you're the one who's leading the conversation go in with love and compassion for yourself for the relationship Mm. and and you can still do that if it's in a situation so for my clients often we're talking about communicating with an an ex-partner and it might be a really contentious issue. So if they don't want to go in with love and compassion for their ex-partner who's, you know, but if they go in with love and compassion for themselves and for the relationship, which needs to be ongoing, for example, because they've got children, it really does shift the energy. Yeah, yeah. And they can it open a conversation. Yeah. It does. And they can open the conversation with love and compassion and kindness and a view to the outcome rather than just winning losing I win you lose yes yeah Yeah. let's get on with this and yeah yeah absolutely I think it it just like you say takes the sting away for sure yeah and then I I don't know what comes to me is just the like I want this relationship to work like this relationship matters and that's why I'm trying to communicate this 100% because if I don't then it's just going to eat me up and then will the relationships influence then you know yeah hmm yeah, and that's that's really key. This this relationship matters. Yeah, I, I love. I'm going to borrow that. Thank you. This relationship matters. This is important to me. Yeah, I want to communicate to the relationship and and move the relationship forward. Yes, mm. absolutely. Yeah. So, communication is key. <laughs> love it. How can we start to create more of those relationships that we really want? So, how can we keep fostering them? If you're seeking to create new ones, hang out in places where your people are likely to be. Spend time in environments where people who 
hold the same values or enjoy the same experiences are likely to be. So if that's, you know, if that's the beach, go seek, you know, seek others. Probably not the beach, that's a bad example, but I'm thinking more activities and events and... Yeah, I was like, go to yoga studios if you want to be around people who love personal development or exercise or wellness. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think in terms of fostering relationships that you're already a part of, it goes back to bringing your authentic self. So allowing allowing your emotions to, to rise, allowing your feelings, your thoughts, your ideas to be expressed. And again, just yeah, defining defining your container and standing in your authentic truth, mm. which you know it. You and I go on about it. It seems we're going on and on and on about it in this episode. But if if you're standing in your truth and you're speaking from your truth and you're honouring yourself and you're cherishing yourself, then you do invite others to either step into that space or and sometimes sadly, choose not to. So I work with clients who, some of my clients are in a situation where they're in a relationship that they're not sure about. And yes, from talking intimate partner relationship, you know, they're considering stay or go and wanting to up-level it and, you know, wanting to call in more of whatever it is that they feel is missing. So I coach them to just start doing it, embody it. So even in that relationship, just be who you want to be. Be who the be the person who is already in that amazing relationship that you most want. Be it. Be that woman. Be that man. Be that human. So that you invite in the other. Yes. So hang out. Yes, if you want to foster new relationships with people who love yoga and wellness, go and hang out at yoga studios. But also be the person who is into yoga and wellness. So bring it into your life and then you will call in others. Even if they're already in your life, you already have a relationship with them, it's like an invitation to them to step up into a yoga wellness lifestyle or a relationship that's more fully passionate and intimate, whatever it is. But if you lead by doing and and actually being and embodying what you most want in your relationship, then, yeah, it's said open the you open the door to someone stepping in or someone stepping up. Yes, yes. I w- I just jotted down if you want more love in your relationship or more love in your life, then be more love. Like, how can you give that to yourself? How can you embody that? How can you yeah give that out to other yeah. people? Yeah, a hundred percent. Whatever it is that you want more of in your life in your relationship start to be it yeah be more love be more sexy be more communicative be more open be more giving be more generous whatever it is that you're calling in yes and I just challenge listeners to like to to practice that but on like a really small scale and just see what it's like how does it make you feel and how does it influence the relationship or the other person it's really fascinating when you start to do the work, like put it into practice. I mean, obviously you've done so much of this, sell and teach it all the time, but I remember learning that earlier on and I was like, oh, okay, so how can I do this in a really small way and just test it out? And it's amazing. It just shifts everything in you and in the other person. It's really, really cool. 
Yeah, it really shifts the energy between the two of you. So, yeah. you know, it, like, I think generosity is a really easy one. If you want more, gen- if you want someone to be more generous with you, make them a cup of tea and take it to them. Here's here's a cup of tea. You know, it's a really simple, small way that you can be yes. generosity in that in the relationship with that other human, and it inv- yeah, it shifts the energy and it invites them to reciprocate. And it builds on itself, as you said. Start small, cup of tea. Yeah, easy as. And then mm. the other thing that was coming to me there is like, what if people are like, no, I don't want to bring the cup of tea. I want them to bring me one. And so they're kind of in that place of emotion. They've been triggered, resentment, whatever it might be. What would you say there, Sal? I've got some ideas, but I'd love to hear your take on that. I think that... Again, that's an invitation. That's an invitation to do our own healing and our own work. And it might be that we need to fill our own cup first. So you might need to just calmly go and make your own cup of tea and really love yourself up in in lots of ways, not just a cup of tea, but fill up your own cup first, metaphorically, yes, with tea, but also just really take care of yourself so that there's not a there's not a hole you're expecting someone else to fill. They are your overflow of generosity or love. You're already showing that to yourself. And then it's not hard to offer someone else. I think it goes back to what we were saying before, really embodying and being what you most want in in your world, in your life, in your relationship. And if, if it comes to the point where you never get the cup of tea, then maybe there's, there's a question to be asked either of yourself or of the relationship of the other person. So that goes back to the communication. But it also goes back to really honouring yourself. If you're in a relationship where you're never, never, never getting that cup of tea and you've had the conversations and you've done all the work, there's, there's a question to be answered. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm thinking the old people pleaser in me was was often like the default was resentment because I was giving way too much to so many people and and not yeah because I didn't ask for that or wasn't setting up that expectation that I wanted that in return as well. Then I was always like, but why can't other people do this for me? I do it for them all the time. Uh, but yeah, that was that was so my own inner work and inner healing to do. So it was like, feel the feelings, release it, understand why I've been triggered, understand where this resentment, anger, frustration, whatever it might be, came from. And then my boundaries, tightening up all of that stuff yeah. and the people pleasing, coming back to me, doing all those wonderful things that fill me up, embracing my self-worth so much more uh, to sort of raise my my standards of myself and others. And then, yeah, then then being what I wanted, like you say. Mm. Yeah. And I think resentment and or feeling resentment or feeling taken for granted is just a surefire sign, as you know, that we need to firm up our boundaries, be it with your partner, a work colleague, your mother-in-law or your teenage kids. Feeling taken for granted is an absolute red hot sign that you need to firm up your boundaries. What aren't you giving to yourself? What aren't you asking for from others? Great questions. Yeah. Yeah. Journal on that one. If, if that comes up for the listeners, definitely go journal on that one for sure. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so yeah. is there anything else you wanted to speak to about relationships or any other sort of tidbits around cultivating the ones that we want? I could go on and on and on all day. Um, but I think <laughs> just mostly key is foster that relationship with yourself, really get to know yourself and ask those questions daily. What do I need here? What am I missing? What have I got a lot of? Where am I? Where am I feeling? What am I feeling and what's underneath that feeling? So, I, you know, that's that's just the beginning of the work. So I don't I know I don't think there's anything extra, <laughs> although we could talk on and on and on. But yeah. <laughs> Wonderful conversations, though. So, so good. And yeah, I agree. There's so many different layers to it. And every relationship is different, right? So it's, it, we're just kind of talking about key concepts here, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the the only thing that we haven't really talked about that I was, that is coming to me is more like realizing that in a relationship, yes, it's a two-way street, but we obviously we can't control the other person. We can't really, well, we can influ- influence them to some extent, but but we really have to take responsibility for ourselves and for our part of the relationship. And then I think, yeah, that I, I, guess, I guess that's the key thing that I wanted to to share and something that we didn't, we've sort of alluded to, and I know people know this, but really taking self-responsibility through this, I think is, is the thing that's going to shift so much of your relationships for, you know, in whatever way they're meant to, to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we've, as you said, we've alluded to it, but haven't really spoken to it directly. And I think it is it is important. Um, you can't control another, but you you can absolutely take responsibility for for your part in again defining that container. So, yeah. and not externalizing, not expecting someone else to step in and and fix themselves so that you can be in relationship with them Mm. really really own who you are what you want in in your life um how you want how you want your relationships to look and feel really own that and do your own work and take responsibility for what is your job yeah yeah huge Gosh, imagine if we all did that. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> it's lifelong work, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. A continuous journey, for sure, for Absolutely. sure. Oh, this has been so good, Sal. Let's move into some of my more rapid-fire questions now. So what have been some of the most game-changing habits, practices, rituals, or tools that you've used in your own personal journey that have made a really big difference for you? We touched on this before, meditation, absolute game changer for me. Um, I have a really busy popcorn brain, like bing, 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 bing. And so meditation has been really key in just allowing me to come back to myself. I also journal, but I'm a sporadic journaler. So I journal in bursts, might do it for three weeks and then don't pick it up for six. But I find that, and I work in bursts generally in life, so that that is really supportive in terms of getting getting stuff out of my head and actually being able to look at it objectively and, and be a bit more obj- analytical rather than reactive. Yeah, amazing, amazing. What does inner confidence mean to you? Mm. Inner confidence, 
I think is really closely interwoven with inner trust. So, you know, in business, we talk about no like trust. I think the same is the same can be said for ourselves. Yeah. Because if you know yourself, you like yourself, you trust yourself, why would you not be confident? Yes, yes. I've never thought about that analogy. Well, the, the, the phrase that we so often use in business and in sales and marketing to ourselves, it makes total sense, of course. Yeah. Um, so it is that, it goes back to that deep inner knowledge, but also just for me personally, inner confidence means, I, yeah, I know myself, I actually like myself and I trust myself. So when I make decisions, I'm making them from a really informed kind of space. I just trust myself. Yeah. Yes. Which fosters more confidence. And that's not to say I've got it all sorted 100%. Let's, you know, as we just said, it's a, it's a lifelong learning journey. Um, but inner confidence is all about trust. So knowing myself, liking myself, knowing what I want to call into my life and having, yeah, having the trust and the faith that I've got this. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. I love your take on that. What's one thing your inner critic used to tell you all of the time that you can now see as just total BS? That I don't have a voice. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So launching a podcast was really big. In yeah. My inner critic just rose up and it, and it was just like, hang on a minute, this is just old BS. So um, a couple of things, yeah, that I don't have a voice or my voice is not valid. And we talked about that earlier. You know, that's for me, that's family of origin stuff. The other thing is a little bit about perfectionism that, you know, I've got to have everything perfect and sorted before I can do the next thing. So I've got to have my life perfectly sorted. All my relationships have to be schmick and just, you know, on point before I can coach someone else in a relationship. Interesting. So, but, yes, no, one, no one's got everything perfectly 100% sorted. We're all just beautiful, messy works in progress. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank goodness that you can see those are <laughs> BS now. Um, alrighty. What's one piece of advice you'd tell your younger self? Um, again, it's about communication and voice. So you've got lots to say, but not everybody can hear a really loud voice. Mm. So I've learned, I've learned that, but I wish I'd known that as a younger human. Not, not everyone can hear your loud voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think secondly, if it goes, and it goes back to intuition, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. Yes. So I really trust my intuition and I have for a really long time, but I think as quite a young person, I didn't, I just thought it was a bit woo woo and yes. Oh, golly over there and as you know I started life as a physio I've started my working life as a physio so it's really analytical yeah but, but very often and I think it was in that work where I first started to really trust my intuition really trust it um so yeah earlier trust your intuition if it doesn't feel right it's probably not the right thing yeah can I I'm so curious about your your physio journey and and um because I, I am, was a physio as well. Um, 
what what part of the physio journey or what what was the thing that enabled you to really trust your intuition in that how did that come through I'm curious there are a couple of a couple of key moments when um and I guess to explain it I would have to tell a story a man a, a patient came in male relatively young and I just knew there was something as soon as I was speaking to him, I just knew there was something really not right with this man's health, really not right, um, and sent him back to his doctor and we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and I was I was certain that this man was very unwell um, and the doctor, really well-respected doctor, no, no, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine, ended up that man did have really advanced lung cancer. He was wow. really, really unwell. Um and another another patient that I remember just putting my hands on and just something came up and I was like, oh, um, it was energetic. I, look, I'm not even sure now what it was, but I just knew so- something about this person, which I won't share, but I just knew something about this person that I could not have known, if, you know, any reason other than gut feel, intuition, whatever. So I think those those two experiences made, from a physio perspective, made me lean into it a little more and allow it to come up in my practice. And I think just socially um, I've always had a really good, um, a really good feel for humans and my kids and I talk about it and, about having a creep radar. And <laughs> I know it sounds terrible, but but when you're teaching children, young children, about um, keeping themselves safe, yeah, if it doesn't feel right in your tummy to interact with that person over there, trust your tummy rather than the people that are telling you to go and talk to that man or go and do that thing. Yeah, so amazing. It, yeah. So I've fostered that in my kids as well. Yes. Oh, I love that. So, well, what a, what a gift. Yes. So important. Mm. Yeah. And powerful physio experiences and examples. What a, yeah. what a way to learn to really trust in your intuition. Love that so much. Thank you for sharing. I'm always curious. <laughs> <laughs> We're so aligned in that way. Alrighty. Last couple of questions. So if there was one thing, one message or one piece of wisdom that you'd like to impart with the world and the lives that you've touched, what would it be? I loved this one because there were so many things I wanted to share, but it boils down to choose kind. If you have the option, choose the kind way. Yeah, beautiful. Choose to be kind. So whether you're in relationship or you're stepping out of a relationship, and again, I I taught my kids when they were little, it's okay not to be everybody's friend, but it's the way you choose to not be someone's friend that is really important. Choose the kind way to not be someone's friend. And I think that informs my work. If you're stepping out of a relationship, choose the kind way. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful, Sal. I think that shows so much of who you are as a human in your beautiful heart. That's so lovely. <laughs> How warming is that to end the podcast? Is yeah, there- perfect. Is there anything else you wanted to share, Sal? Any other parting words? 
No, I think that choosing kind, choosing the kind way is just a beautiful way to finish this conversation. Choose kindness for yourself, choose kindness for others. Yeah, love that so much. What a beautiful way to finish our our conversation. And lastly, Sal, where can the listeners find you? Listeners can find me on Instagram at Reflect Coaching, on my website, reflectcoaching.com.au and my own podcast, Reflect, Reclaim and Liberate. I'm also on LinkedIn, I'm building up a little bit more activity on LinkedIn for anybody who's over there. Um, so that, yeah, I'd love to connect with anybody who is exploring up-leveling or up-leveling relationships. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. I would definitely encourage people to reach out to Sal. You are just just such a gorgeous human. I feel like you have so much wisdom to share. And I think that podcast was just like not even 1% of it, <laughs> just a really small amount of it. But thank you for giving us a taste test and sharing, yeah, sharing your heart, sharing your wisdom, your experiences with us all. It's been really, really wonderful. Thank you so much, Evie. Wasn't that epic? For all of the details and things we talked about in today's show, you can check them out in the show notes and that's over at evelynkelly.co.nz forward slash podcast. And if you can think of anyone who would really benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. And while you're there, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a five-star review in iTunes so that we can get this podcast out to even more humans and create a ripple effect throughout the world.